0: a Podcast One production.
1: I'm automotive commentator and journalist Greg Rust and this is Rusty's Garage. I'm at home for this ep while my guest is in Victoria. He's had what he calls a tree change. Benalla is now home and he's lending decades of race experience to Winton Motor Raceway. More on that new chapter later. Jeff Grech is a straight shooter with a very impressive CV. He's worked on some of the best Australian touring car teams over the years, on the tools and in major frontline roles from the legendary Peter Brock to Larry Perkins, with Nissan on the mighty GTRs, Godzilla. And he was team boss during a golden era for the Holden Racing team in supercars, with Mark Scaife, Craig Lowndes, Greg Murphy, and many more. He's not really done a podcast like this before, so I'm honoured he's come on. You'll love some of the backstories, the rivalries, an innovation that hasn't been widely spoken about until now, some insights on the current state of play, and I'll tackle some of your questions raised on social media. I almost sense this is a bit cathartic for Jeff. He's seen some incredible highs and a few lows, and stepping away from major team positions in a sport which has been his life isn't easy. But Jeff's the first one to tell you he's not the lone ranger there. His record is one to be immensely proud of. And having interviewed him on broadcast many times over the years, I'm pleased he's still involved in the game. If you're into motorbikes, you'll love the start of this pod too, because Jeff's early days were dominated by bikes. Family life as a youngster played a huge part in the path he would end up taking.
0: Um, oh, I was in Emerald Heights in Melbourne actually. Dad had a little engineering shop with a service station out the front. And um, he used to race motorbikes, mainly grass track, uh, speedway, and, and back then motocross was called Scrambles. The motorcycle club and meet, meet round at the, the house was next door to the to the business um, in Emmerdale Heights, so, you know, with a gate between it. So I spent probably 23 and a half hours a day in the workshop and I only w- went home for a feed and a bath, so and a bit of sleep. <laughs> so it was, it was a great upbringing. Dad was uh, dad, dad and I were like mates. He, he kept me involved in everything. And um, I'd come in when they were having the club motorbike meetings, and he was in the um, he was in the Braybrook club then, and we had Tracy Speedway, which was behind the Maribyrnong RSL. So I sort of from. I can't remember the earliest time, but it was always motorbikes and hanging around Dad in the workshop. So when I was about 13, he bought me my first mini bike. It was a Yamaha 60. I think it was Yamaha 60, and he juiced it up. We put an expansion chamber on it and all those old school stuff. Um, Anyway, obviously I got flogged a little bit, so... (laughs) He then, the, the bike to have then was um, an XR75 and they'd just come out and there was a guy in Airport West called Clive Wolfenden and he was a expert tuner of XR75s. So I was in the Laverdon Motorcycle Club and we used to ru- run around. There was a track at Laverdon. One at Wallen in Country Victoria, there, which was a really good track, um, and there was one at Knox, a few others, but they were the main tracks. I was going to say, was there a state? Was there a state title in there somewhere for you as well? There was. There was. It, there was a couple of state uh, championships, but so Dad decided that we went there with a the standard XR seventy five, and again, I got flogged. You know, and and look, Rusty, I wasn't, I wasn't the gun rider, but. I thought I could ride fairly well. Anyway, so Dad got the shits, actually, and he said, because <laughs> I kept saying, well, Dad, the and bikes are the ones that have, and no, no, no. So next thing, we had the engine out back in the workshop, and he said about he ported out the, it's only a single cylinder, so he ported out the head, made bigger valves. He bought a piston that was just the same bore size, but it had to be all machined. So it would fit and he was mates with George Wade, Wade Cam's very famous um, camshaft designer and uh, George uh, made a a new cam for it and I remember when we put it in, it hardly fitted in a little cradle (laughs) and anyway, he also, because he used to muck around obviously with Pommy bikes back in the day. He decided to put an Amal carby on it. So Stanco in, this, in, in the city of Melbourne, which were, were there for a lot of years, um, he went in, he, I can't think of the guy's name now, an old guy, and he bought a, an ammo racing carby with, with about 20 needles and different jetting. And, of course, we got it all together and And uh, I remember up the side street, it was Gravel Wood Street in Neffindale Heights, and he just kept, we spent a day and this thing was wild. Like in the end when he got got the got the carby right with, with the right needles and jets, I you know, I wore out the knobby going up and down the street till we got it right. And obviously the carby was really big and he made the manifold himself. So when it, it was a weapon, I mean, it was a real weapon. So we go to the first race meeting. It was at Lavender at my home track. Anyway, we, we roll a bike off the trailer and they all had the wolf and, you know, the, the, the a bigger Japanese carby and, you know, all the stuff. And here's this, here's this XR75 with this ammo poking out the side with a comb <laughs> sock and everyone was laughing. I remember, anyway, Dad being as proud as punch, he just wheeled her out and we were behind the set that was going off in practice. Anyway, he, he also made this megaphone. Well, it was a reverse mega and it was as <laughs> loud as. And course, they all had the. They all had the. You know, the, the, the American pipes that were Mickey Mouse, and anyway, he started it up, and you could hardly you could hardly hear the other bikes. Anyway, he said, <laughs> "Right, Dad used to call. I was in in Dad's business. He was called Cactus. That was his nickname." 'cause he was a prick. <laughs> and um and I was Cactus Jr. <laughs> so So anyway, we were there, he said, Right out, cactus, hop on the thing and um and give it to it. So I we we got to the start. It was a ribbon then, it wasn't the gates like they are now. It was a ribbon. So the ribbon went up and I just flattened it. And um I I won the first race by half a lap. <laughs> like this thing was just screaming Anyway. So and the, the talk was about this thing and, you know, whether it was illegal or whatever, you know, it was, there, there was – you can imagine the chat because, as I said, there was really good riders and I just smoked them and going my first meeting back. Anyway, at the next race meeting – all these XR seventy-fives have turned up with Amal carbies on them. <laughs> and, and, and 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 I think it was I think it was Phil, this bloke Phil, I think it was Phil at Stanco rang, he said, Hey cactus, I've just run out of Amal carbies. Every all these young blokes and their dads are coming in. So as you know, Rusty, you've been around Pit Lane. Like, once someone finds something, next thing all of Pit Lane's got it. So anyway, that was my That was a bit of a laugh and um I did. I won the uh I won the state title race at Wallen and then I had a mate got really really hurt bad, uh really good mate, and I thought it didn't affect me, but um he actually he actually uh, he was behind me and he he, where Wallen used to come down a hill and and Turn at a tree and go over a little creek, and he fell off, and in and a bike come over and landed on his back, and he's, you know, quadriplegic. And um, so, you know, I, that really, I, I didn't think it'd got get to me, but about a month later, dad dad sort of said one night at home, he said, "Hey, this like, you know, Steve got hurt bad, and maybe it's time to throw the towel." And if you know, if you're not going to race hard, don't do it, you know, if you're frightened and and I thought about it and, yeah, I just, I, I did. I thought, yeah, look, I, and and I knew I was, I knew I wasn't that good to keep going. By then, you know, you you were starting to get into one, two, fives and stuff. So I had my go and, uh, yeah, it was good. So then the attention really turned to, um, from there, I, I obviously, uh, started, I went to uni actually, uh, so when I finished school I was good at, um, there was a, a subject called mechanical drawing and it was the old board with the slides and, you know, slide rule to work through and the teacher talked mum and dad into sending me to be an architect and, like, you would imagine my life, mate, I was always around the workshop, anyway, I said that I don't want to do that. I want. To. He said, no, "No, no, mate, you're not going to be a mechanic, so don't dream about it. You're you going, you, you know, you're going to be something better than I was." He, anyway, so we enrolled, and I got in, and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I was there nearly six months at RMIT in Melbourne, and I thought I got the shits with this. You know, I I, I did like I did like mechanical drawing, obviously. I not, but I want. I wanted to. I wanted to get spanners in my hand. And dad. Had, and dad. At that stage, he retired. Well, he didn't retire. He was real. Always interested in farming. So he bought some farms north of Melbourne, up at Kyton. and um, he then decided to lease out all the buildings and the businesses and just concentrate going up to the farm all the time. So. There wasn't really a a, a workshop for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So mm. in the end, Melford um, Motors in the city, which is a Ford dealer, decided to um, they put an ad for apprentices, and there was a government incentive to take on 1st year apprentices. You imagine forty, you know, yeah, forty young blokes thrashing around in workshop youths, and <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I I got I got a I got a job. But the problem was, I, I had to get me indenture signed. So I talked mum into coming in with me at the interview. And anyway, I, I mean, poor old mum. I put her under under the pump. So she she actually signed off. Dad, and I worked at Melford's for three months before Dad even knew. <laughs> How did that conversation go then? Oh, he found out. Obviously, mm. mum got mum had a weak moment apparently, and because. Cause he he kept asking how you how am I too was going oh yeah no it's all right and <laughs> anyway I got a little bit of a clip over the ear hole for 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 doing it but um you know he he ended up being as proud as punch that I I I took the course I did yeah that's how I got into the into trade and then I I love racing you know I loved any any sort of racing but. And he's a he's a famous in my mind. He's 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 everyone knows him, Colin Russell. He who was at one stage, uh, team manager of Ford Racing Team, with Moffat and anyway he retired. He was a school teacher at Batman Automotive, but he was mucking around with or he's helping uh, establish Larry Ormsby in Top Fuel. And there was another guy, um, Johnny Mepstead. I think I think yep, Johnny. So, so he said to me one day, um, "Hey Jeff, do you want to do you want to help us out with the top fuel car?" I said, "Oh, I'd love to." So anyway, that's started. That I ended up doing. Um, I ended up volunteering. It was all night work, so you finish work and I'd start a little bit early, finish a little bit early, and drive all the way to Melbourne to Footscray. Oh wow! And then and then work on a top fuel car and then go home grab a couple of hours sleep and it was and uh, back, back to work, work again the next day. And then the first race meeting I went was um, the 1979 finals at Castlereagh in Sydney. I was only a gofer, mind you, but there was Colin and a guy by the name of Mark Watson. So, yeah, we that was a bug that got me and and Jeff the the top fuel I mean
1: the, the drag racing community's been in touch via social media about this so people had fondly remembered that you had that involvement what was that car like and uh, am I right in saying that that association would would lead to a bit of an overseas trip too is that correct
0: yeah yeah so as time went on and um I then finished my apprenticeship and I got a I got a job in the dine section in um, Fisherman's Bend in experimental engineering. So I went there and I was still working with Larry. By that time, I think Colin had sort of had enough of it and he he trained me up to run the car myself. So we were going along pretty well uh, and that were the days of the, the Jim Reeds, you know, the, the Hussey Brothers, Johnny Ma, and Top Fuel uh, with both... Car uh, with funny car with Jimmy Walton. And, I mean, it was a golden era drag racing. It was Ma- magic, magic days. Uh, what sort of horsepower numbers for the listeners, Jeff? Back then, here, I mean, we didn't run the cars as hard as they did in in the states, but back here they were probably about three and a half, four thousand. But it was never a die. It was only theoretical. Over in America, they had they used to run them on big navy, you know, the navy. Um, Packard engine they had big dynos were as big as a house and they used to run top fuel engines mm. but it was an estimate because I was that mm. you just pull the string and bang you know and they and they yeah. the absorber yeah. would try try and hold the you know the flywheel so that was my foray into drag racing and then the the trip you're talking about Larry decided that uh we would go over and get a new engine out of Keith black's so he said to me, do you want to come over? To the US, wasn't it? Yeah. So Larry's Larry's daily business, he used to buy brake uh, brake machinery. So the Van Norman big brake drum lays and shoe riveters because back then it was all, you know, all that hand stuff done. Yeah. yeah. And he he basically had an open order with PBR in, in um, the southeast of Melbourne. They were in... Um, just off North Road there in Oakley, and so he'd he'd buy go around America, buy all the buy anything he could as far as brake a uh, brake uh, reconditioning machinery. He'd bring it back here, recondition it, and then obviously sell it off to PBR was his biggest customer. So he said, "Why don't you come over?" So I actually left work. I thought, "Oh, well, I'll leave work and go over and." Um, have like a working holiday. I had to pay for it myself, um, but anyway, I was only twenty-one and never been out of never been out of Australia. So we, we went to Blacks. The engine was built. So what they did is they had like a little assembly shop, and a Mexican guy used to run it called Amos Saddletree. He was a he was a ripper guy. I remember I remember one. Um, I stayed on a bit. Because um, Larry come back, and I remember he took me home to his house, and it was a typical uh, Mexican family, you know, Obama, saddle tree, and they had they had a dozen kids, oh, the ones I saw anyway, they were everywhere. And I had the authentic, I had the authentic Mexican Mexican meal, and it was just sensational. Yeah, mind you, mind you, in the morning, uh, lucky the water, lucky the toilet was water cooled because I tell you. <laughs> <it was laughs> But um, yeah, so so I I ended up coming home, and I guess the foray into 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 I worked at a tyre service as soon as I got home, and I had a I bought a Harley while I was over there, so yeah. that followed me home. Um, then, so we're, so we're talking early eighties here, really, aren't we? And, yeah, early eighties. And early, and, 80s, and, and, and early 80s. Is, is this
1: about the point somehow that the connection with Peter Brock and and the Holden dealer team starts? How did that all come about?
0: Yeah. Well, I was working at I was working at the tyre shop, just you know, trying to fill in, and I'd heard that they were putting HDT Special Vehicles was putting on people. So obviously, I'd, I'd known of HDT themselves. I thought, well, if I can get into, if I can get into the organisation, I might be able to somehow wangle getting into racing. Anyway, so I started
1: at Special Vehicles. So you're a young bloke here. What are we talking? You, you're sort of 20 or early 20s kind of thing.
0: How, how old were you? Uh, so I was 23 then. Okay. So I was working at Special Vehicles um, yeah. in the workshop. And as you know, that was in Levison Street, North Melbourne. And the race shop was the old Johnny Shepherd shop, which, you know, Brock had, Brock had bought um, that in Chetwin Street. So he used to walk through a little paddock. And anyway, I I didn't. I I didn't sort of telegraph, you know. I'd love to get into racing, but I was working away, and I, you know, fate's everything, I guess, and luck, bit of bit of both. Um, you, you you know our famous yep. mortician. Yep, Graham Mort Brown. We're talking about yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I which back then I didn't. I i never gone up to the to the race team to even have a look. I sort of kept. Kept them myself because I thought they probably get every every man his dog from the workshop. Go up there and want have a look. Um, and I heard, I heard uh, that was when Bruce Nowacki uh, got crook. You know, he had yes. had a misfortune, and then Brock talked Larry into running the the workshop, being team manager. Mm-hmm. So, and I Larry had come down to the main. Brock had his main offices up at. Um, Levison Street, up on the second floor, there at the front. So you'd often see Larry come down, or 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 part Neil Burns, one of the yep. guys, and you didn't, you you just acknowledge. But Larry was always in and out. He had the shits on all the time, <laughs> and I thought, oh shit. So and and I, and, it, and it got around that. Yeah, he's pretty he's pretty hard guy to work for. Anyway, I don't know what it was, Rusty. I I still I I. I keep meaning that uh, ask LP but um, he was walking through the workshop one day and he just I was on the back of a car you know the, it was a VH, um, VHSS what, you know HDT car and he, he walked past and I turned around and he said what are you doing cock <laughs> as weekend? he always I,
1: as he always does yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah and I said oh nothing really What he said do you want to come to a race meeting and help out and I said yeah, yeah, no, I'd love to. He said, he got any experience? I said, oh, look, I worked on drags, and he kept walking, you know, did want it. He sort of half listened. That race meeting was the CRC 300 at Amaru Park. Fantastic. Um, so I went went up for the weekend. I was I was just a a, um, a churn operator, but basically. Yep. Um, so the regular guys were there, um, obviously more – sorry, the reason I went up – Oh, the reason he, I got asked because Mort dropped an air bottle on his foot and broke his toe, ah. So they needed someone, and that's that um,
1: opened the door for you. Uh,
0: opened the door. So I went up for the race meeting, and uh, apart from that, the guys really didn't want to want you to. You were you were just a gopher, you know. Um, you weren't allowed to go near the cars, and I, Andy Bartley was working there then as well, and I just said, to Andy, look, if well, I said to everyone, uh, Marty Watt. Well, I said, look, if I can do anything, um, j- just yell out. You know. Anyway, it was empty the oil, empty the oil bucket, and da 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 da. Anyway, Andy was under the car and he said, mate, can you, can you come up and give us a hand? Come under and give us a hand. And I did, and we just started talking, and um, I was getting the bolt, you know, working in with him, and he said, oh, you seem to be pretty handy around a race car, and I said, oh, look, I I used to work. With Larry Ormsby in in drag racing, so yeah, you know, um, obviously specialty bolts and nuts, and you know, you just didn't belt everything in if, into a hole if it didn't fit. You had to find out why. So that was. I'd come back and I'd done another meeting, and then LP come down and said, "Look, can you give us a hand up in the workshop overnight?" Which I said, "Yeah, love to." So then I went up into the race team. And he was getting me to do odd jobs, and I remember I, because um, Dad had an engineering business, so you know I learnt I learnt from I don't know when to use micrometers and slides from a young and, age, from a really yeah. young age. Yeah. So I was putting a caliper together and um, a front caliper it was, and the piston, the they, it, it looked a bit tight, so I thought oh, I better measure it before I try and push it in. So I got a set of Vernies and I was measuring a piston, and LP said what are you doing now so I just it felt a bit tight LP so I'm just measuring the piston to make sure that you know it's it, I've got the right piston in the right bore or it's because there was two calibers in bits and I was putting them together so I didn't know whether you know one piston might have been from the other the other one yeah so he said where'd you learn to do that and I said oh dad had an engineering shop and then it was about a week later he said you want to work up here full time so that Fantastic. that was that was it in 83 I think it was
1: so we're talking here, for people that are listening to the podcast that mightn't realise, LP, Larry Perkins, Bathurst and, and Australian touring car racing legend. And we began this part of the conversation by talking about the great Peter Brock. Now, uh, Jeff, what was it like to work with him? He featured a couple of times in your career too, didn't he? I mean, he was a, an incredible figure a, a, as both a, a sportsman a, and as a human being, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, he was. Look, um, I mean, to to Peter, the, the I mean, he was busy. He was he was very busy. But and at that stage, special vehicles was was going gangbusters. You know, they were um, the car. You know, I, I can't remember the amount of cars that were being produced down the road from the donor cars from Holden. But it was going gangbusters. He he used to come up to the race team probably on average once or twice a week, regardless of him he'd come up. He was very quietly spoken around us guy or me. I mean, Part worked with him for years, so did Mort. Um, so I was just a young bloke, but he, i never forget one day um, I bought the Harley in anyway. He would come up to the race team and he said, oh, well, whose is that? And I said, oh, it's mine, you know, and, he, and Anyway, he then he, he went. I think he travelled overseas at one stage, and he come back, and it was all this hog stuff. So he he, he was the one that call started calling me hog. So <laughs> that that uh, that stuck with me. But uh, I guess the magic of Brock then was just when you went to the track, you know, he'd do minimal laps, and he'd just hop in, and like he'd be on pole, or he'd be just he just at one with it. Oh, uh, absolutely um i guess back in those days the group c cars which by the way are my favorite really um they they really were sort of half a half a road car base but you know they were still they were fetle they, they had yeah. good brakes and um but a lot of a lot of stuff was based off a genuine road car and you fe- you know, you tuned it so Obviously, part was part was a magic 308 engine builder then, and um, and and we, you know, we obviously Larry was very clever at at at, at the way the cars were engineered um, and put together. So, and then Peter just hopped in and drove him, and he got the best. It was a bit like me going back. It was a bit like me when Dad tuned the bike with the Amal Carby, You know. Yeah um he just hopped in and it was a good it was a great car and it, he just shined you know it was just brilliant to watch the nissan GTR nickname godzilla was originally given to it by the australian magazine
1: wheels in its july 1989 edition us aussies really do love a nickname don't we I think I would like to be called Navo. People can find pictures um, on on the web, Jeff. There's there's a great one I think from '84 of all of the team. You, you know, they were sponsored, of course, by Philip Morris back then. It was an incredible, incredible outfit, and some of the names that you've rattled off already are in that um, are in that photo from Graham Mort Brown. I mean, Craig Fletcher I think's in there as well. He, he's a, a much missed character. You've sort of summed up what he was like. Um, around the team for you to begin with and then what he was like uh, when it, when it came to the car, but he was, you get athletes, Jeff, I think, and then you get these real special ones every once in a while. And that was him, wasn't it?
0: It was um, there. Look, and, and, and you've, you know, we've been around together, mate. And I was very young then. So that was probably my, I didn't follow a lot of sports, like a bit of footy, mm. but, but, you know, I was in awe when I when when I met with him, and then you'd go and work there. Yeah, you know, we go to a race meeting, and it was just wow. You know, geez, you know, he's he just picked it up and and walked with it. And then over time, mate, you you know, you know, you do same thing with with a Mark Sky for L um, Lounsey, even McLaughlin. Now, you know, oh, yes. you just look at you you, you do you get special. You get a special person that rolls up, and it's in every sport. I, I now like watching a lot of sports. You know, when you see special people, you know the shoemakers, the Hamiltons, the centers. You know, they just stand out, and um, it it just they they look like they do no wrong, to be honest. Um, and they're special people, you know.
1: Most definitely. So, did you ever get a steer? Of one of those cars, one of those Group C cars, either from the workshop, maybe, maybe a sneaky little test run out the back. What you <laughs> do?
0: No, i i I've had a couple of, I've had a couple episodes, but uh, yeah. obviously, I would have always loved to be a driver, but I just, yeah. I, I, didn't explore it because I, I, I love working on the cars, so. There's a couple of instances. There's one. There's, there's one where <laughs> I drove the car. We were testing at Calder. I was with LP then in his own yeah. team, and I, I went round and they had like little islands in the middle. And I and I just nicked the front spoiler on, on the and and mate, I I I got ripped a new wow. a hole. I can <laughs> tell you. Um, but and there was another one. I, I did get. I was fortunate enough. I snuck a few in. Um, yes, there was. A, there was a couple of times where we were at uh, we were at Wanaroo and back in Wanneroo days, you, the three cars an LP had actually placed. So there was. I think it was uh, a Nissan. It uh, might have been uh, back then. It might have been Richo. Yes, Jimmy Richo. Richards, Yep. Um and LP and I think Dick. So they pulled up the front. They do the presentation, and it was up to us to drive them. You had to go around the track and come into the pit entrance. Pit lane. Yeah. So so there was Pete Alphabet, Peter Schaefer. Um, <laughs> he was he was in the Nissan Dino. Dick's brother was in the yes, and and me and um. Uh, so we've gone round turn one two over the back, and we've looked at each other. And we're into it, you know, <laughs> Re- revving the shit out of them. And anyway, we go down to we go down to the down to the bowl, and and we ended up we nearly hit each other, and Alphabet went off into the sand. Anyway, we've come up to the we've come up to the hill, you know, where you come down to to the last turn. We've yes. all backed off, and um, we've driven into the pits. An LP, he done his lol, you, you know, I won't say the expletives, but I said, no, mate, we weren't racing. He said, yes, you were. I said, no, I was only, I, was only, I, I couldn't change gears. I just left it in second. And obviously it just sounded louder than I was going. <laughs> and, then, and, then, uh, and then at Calder, I did a little bit of a stint with Johnny Shepard, uh, John Shepard, when he was running the Volvos. Volvos, yes. And when he wasn't around, I, I used to get, Bow his helmet and put it on, and we just drive out because we worked there. and The bloke in the gate was fine, he just thought we'd going out for a spin, so he'd just <laughs> wave. I'd wave, so would go for a whole yeah corner in the, in the, uh, as
1: John Bow's stunt double,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway. I it was, it. uh, yeah, it was, there was some, there was some good, uh, I, I, I must admit, I, um, the best one, the most memorable one was. Uh, Fred asked me to take the GDR down to Sandown. I was doing a promo shot.
1: Godzilla, the Nissan. Yeah, yes. yeah.
0: And um, anyway, it was down the old, the the blokes wanted it down the old NGK. So I, I took it off the trailer, drove it down to the NGK, and I said, all right, we want to go. And there was no one on the track, obviously, doing. He said, oh, oh now knows, we yeah. want to go down to the front straight. And I said, oh, I'll, I'll go around the track, you know. <laughs> so I so I did do that and it, that was an awesome I mean I I didn't drive to any ability of, of a proper driver, mind you, but boy you know What a machine. It 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 going around a corner and like I didn't warm tires up and it just gripped and it was amazing to to act, and I, when you when, when and you got a bit a really good appreciation of when we were racing it, but yep. um yeah, that no, was good
1: terrific we'll talk more about about these because we've jumped uh, across a couple of things in your timeline before we wrap up your first experiences with brock and that chapter with hdt firstly you'd only been there a relatively short period of time jeff and 84 one finish at the mountain i mean that must rank as one of the the special ones for you
0: yeah it was it was look that that was problem you know I mean, there was favourite times when I was involved at HRT as well, and yep. and, and Nissan, and Nissan. You know, we got, we, um, you know, that, that we had awesome. They were all awesome times with with great people, you know, th- and drivers. But the but the one two at Bathurst was certainly the most. I mean, we'd uh, uh, I'd gone over to uh, England. Larry Larry asked me if I'd go to England to help. Uh, work on the Team Australia, the 956, which was Six. a lease car from John Fitzpatrick, that, and we worked in his workshop preparing it. I'm um, glad you brought that up because that's
1: actually another great great yarn in itself. The fact that you're able to do that as well is huge.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it was great. I, I, I only, we had Andy Bartley uh, also went over. He was a senior guy and, mm-hmm. and I was basically the junior, but it was a great experience for sure. But um, going back to the Group C cars, we we rushed back because Holden and, and Peter wanted to have two brand new cars for the run out of, uh, and I've got a lot of the pictures in Chetwin Street when we were building Fantastic. the two big bangers. Um, I remember we, and and it was the the first time we were going to use a Philip Morris uh, Formula One colour, which was that day glow orange. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh. E-T- this guy a painter ET and there was another guy down at special Vehicles had their own paint shop and they so the paint come out and they they did the, the, the new paint scheme which was it's just stunning and we, we took <laughs> we took the car out the called for a shakedown because we were running really late um, yep. getting them finished. Anyway, it was it was wet out there, and we did two laps. And I remember the front straighter called was day, day glow orange. It just peeled off because the it was a it was a plastic sort of it. it you needed a special primer, so <laughs> it, it peeled off, and they we had to rush them back. And obviously, they um, et worked out that um, we had the we had the You know, he needed an next an primer and got it, got it. Got it sorted, but they were they were an awesome they were an awesome car. I mean, they weren't any different to the older the the ones they preceded. It was just that they were brand new and they were just a stunning, stunning paint job. And and, and LP had designed a new inlet manifold then for, for those for that those two races, and it really worked well. And and yeah, Peter, like it was just easy. You know, Let, let's bounce
1: through a couple of other aspects of your career because I want to get to I want to get to Nissan and I certainly want to get to the the Holden Racing Team. You mentioned Volvo there before and sneaking out and being uh, John Bowe's stunt double. It was a short little stint that you you experienced with that team, but the the 240T actually enjoyed a bit of success around that period before. The Swedes sort of withdrew from the from the oh, championship. What was
0: it like? A, absolutely, though. Well, most of the most of the development work they were racing in Europe. Then, obviously, it was it was full on Group A, and RAS were their anointed, um, I guess, works team. And there was some pretty clever stuff. I mean, they looked like a brick, but they were far from it. Um, so they were they were actually, even though they were. You know the comments were it was ugly, but there was some under the under the skin. There was some pretty clever engineering. I can tell you, cool, yeah, definitely. So you were there, but then an opportunity
1: came to link back up with uh, with Larry Perkins with his own operation, didn't it? Just just to, just to just sort of, if you can, a bit of backstory on how that that unfolded.
0: Well, LP got in touch with you and said, "Look, I want to start my own team? LP's one. Of, he's almost." The same character as a Brock, probably not in the in the overall driving thing, but the experience and what he's done in life. I mean, you you, you know, it it's it's second to no one. You know, he's yes with his formula. You know, his his Europe experiences and you know getting into Formula, winning the Formula Three European Championship, which which if you won that, you you were there. You know, and yep. uh, and his drives, and then coming back here. Um, his passion for engineering and and I guess it complimented Peter because I think Peter knew that uh, Larry would leave no stone unturned as far as getting the best out of the car through engineering and so then and I respected LP for that Um, he was he was at times very hard to work with but you know I, I respected that you you know with with LP, you just did what you were told and got on with it, and and that was the best, that was the best remedy. So when he rang up and said, "Look, um, Hog, I'm starting my own team," it was Roberna Street in Morabin I yep. said, "Yeah." I, he didn't have to ask me twice. So there Excellent. was, at, at that stage, he convinced. Pa- so there was part myself, Barry Abbott, Meyer. Um, and that was the initial there was a couple other people after that, but we we went down there and here's there's his empty workshop with two brand new body shells that Holden had given him sitting on the floor and his mum's round australia v w sitting over in the corner <laughs> um, and it was and it was uh, look, and I really enjoyed that I, I you know I really enjoyed that time it was it was bloody hard um because money wasn't we didn't have a, the biggest budget, but we certainly, yeah, you know, we had to bring all our own tools, and dad, dad still had a lot of stuff left over from when he, when he got out of engineering, which I, we took down, and just it was that tight. Even building shelves, there was a furniture maker out the back, and and there was a laneway, and they to throw all the old timber, and we'd be out there getting the nails out and straightening them, and, and <laughs> really and putting putting bits of timber together to make a shelf, and so it was, it was. Uh, you know it was real we started at the very bottom and but you know it, but it became a significant operation didn't it mate no no. I mean I I I was there for f- four years and then I left obviously to go um, when Fred and Mark invited me to go to um, Nissan for the, the GDR program um, but yeah I mean LP uh, you know Perkins Motorsport and then it, it went on to do big things, obviously with Russell and all the guys he had there. You know, they they were a formidable operation, no two ways about it. I nearly went back. I actually nearly went back to LPs. Um, it was I think '91 when when he he did a deal f- with Brock uh, for one year, and we had a long chat. I was at Nissan then, so obviously, and I, and we did talk about going back, and then. I armed and armed, and but I I knew things were a bit tense um, between the two operations because they moved out, they you know moved down to Chetwynd Street, and so I thought, oh, no, I'll just stay where I was at that time. So, um, but yeah, LP, fond memories, great great guy, great teacher. Um, I'll always you know I'll always recognise. There's a couple of people I'll. I'll always recognise um, who I'm very grateful for, and he's 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 very much one of them. And he's not, you know, he just uh, really really was great to work with, and and showed me a lot lot in racing.
1: Am I right in saying that that one of the kind of Larry learnings, if you like, was that the the cars were often in their in their build and in their development. Uh, very much with a Bathurst focus, Jeff, weren't they?
0: From day one, Rusty, and in the end, it was unspoken. But from from the HDT days when we we're there, it, nothing went onto any car unless he knew it would it would perform and last a one thousand k race at Bathurst, and that was his whole yearly focus. Okay. He didn't, you know, he wasn't interested in, you know, the Mickey Mouse lightweight widget that'll do. One race, it was all mm. he prepped the whole year to win Bathurst, and that was that was his um, goal. And and if you worked under him, it had to be your goal as well. Like if he knew that you weren't you were doing something that that would not work on the car for a Bathurst race, even though we weren't going to Bathurst, you you, you would you would get a severe talking to. Mm. Him. So, um, and that that really. That really come with me right through my career, you know. It, it ended up being me. You know, Bathurst was Bathurst was it. Forget everything else. You had to win Bathurst, and you had to have the right car and people to do it.
1: You talked before about GTR, and and um, you know, I think Neil Crompton once described it in commentary as being a, a bigger tennis racket. Um, Freddie Gibson ran an ultra professional show and you were there at a great time, Jeff, with the likes of Mark Scaf, who you detailed before, Jim Richards, whose record is uh is just remarkable. Two very different characters and yet they work so well together. Mark learnt so much from Jimmy.
0: Yep. Um it look it was <laughs> it was a it was an interesting time but Fred I, I mean it was it was a he had like you went from from LP, who you know, bare bones, straight engineering to to Fred, who was, I guess, wanted the you know the marketing and the thing that went went uh, went on there was second to none. You know, everything had to be pristine. The team looked great. Um, it was always you know if you. If you had your white race shoes on and they were they were dirty, you had to have a new pair the next day. You know, it was it was just, and, and it worked. And it really worked for. You know, Fred was no nonsense in the marketing side of things. Um, I guess Mark took that on as well, uh, and together, we, as you said, you, a, a very important thing was was the Jimmy Jimmy Richards Mark Scaife. You know, a bit like the Peter Brock Craig Lounge, yes. same thing. Yeah. You know they um mark just soaked up all the um all, all the information that that Jimmy gave him and and then just careered on from there so I'm, I'm sure you've
1: um over time sat back you, you've sometimes maybe it's just fake jeff as you said before and and at other times you make your own luck you work incredibly hard to get those opportunities but you've been with some terrific teams along the way and fans um always think about the HRT chapter, the Holden Racing Team, golden period for the sport, golden period for that team. Let, let's start with who approached who and, and how did that all sort of unfold that you would you would get to go and, and work there?
0: Well, I, I initially bumped into John Crennan and it, I'll jump ahead in one. That the other person that I owe a lot of my career to other than LP is John Crennan because... You know he was he he was my mentor. That you know what I learnt from him. Um, you know you you couldn't put down in words. So I when when there was a stage there when LP we run the or LP got the contract to run special vehicles race team. Yep. When John was setting up um, HSV. So they were doing. Remember the remember the uh, Group A, the five hundred. That's yeah. that was their first lot of jobs. So, but in the contract, uh, HSV had to have some racing element to it. So they contracted LP, um, and and to be honest, Part and I, and probably Barry Abbott, Meyer, and uh, Rod Smith was there by then. We we thought that this was our this was our time. You know, we would get. The factory team, and because part and I had worked at HDT, when when you know the fans love the brand, you know with Brock and and what have you, we thought, well, you know, we would love to have a piece of that back. Um, to but typical typical LP, you know, he and Tom, he and Tom didn't see eye to eye many times, and obviously the eighty eight Bathurst didn't help that when we were. Danny and LP were miles out in front, and because Tom's uh, the secret weapon from England was was a secret shitbox, <laughs> um, uh, and Tom at the end of the race when he knew we you know we were miles in front and going to win, wanted to hop in the car and uh, contractually we you know the the arguments were on but it had to happen mm-hmm. and, and and it's obvious history you know. Tom hopped in the car, and he, we used to run what we called the 11:03. Everyone run. Everyone used to run the Mickey Mouse, whatever the the pageant or whatever brand pad. But LP had the. It was 11:03. It was a really hard compound pad, but it meant that we didn't have to do a pad change. So it went for a thousand k, and but but you, you know you had to drive it accordingly. It was very hard it was very hard to stop the car because they didn't have a lot of co friction, yep. you know, thus lasting instead of wearing. Yep. Um, so so Tom just to stop – I remember him hearing on the radio to – he's got – because his guy jumped in, um, can't think of his name now, Pommy Guy, and, and obviously – Obviously, he was screaming and yelling that he couldn't pull the car up, so he was he was going down, you know, through Skyline down into Forest Elbow. He was going down two and three gears at once and dropping the clutch, and you imagine the old engine. Uh, so yeah, that that ended that, and that was. I, I remember I, um, you know, LP had the shits, obviously, and and so did we. You know, we back we always backed LP because. Yeah, he was he was our boss and the team owner, and uh, in at the end of uh, at the end of eighty eight, I said, to "LP, I'm I'm gonna I want to travel overseas on a motorbike. It's it's I've wanted to do it for years when I was a young bloke, and I had a mate, and it never ever happened. So he said, "All right," and I said, "I'm I'm gonna have to leave because you know it's going to be six months. So oh, righty-o. so I left." Um, I left and um, we did the whole Europe on a bought a BMW motorbike. Mum the first wife, did the lap of Europe and had a great time. Anyway, we finished up in England because I, one of the guys I'd worked with at Fitzpatrick's, who was working on the Skull Bandit cars, we become really good mates, and I was sort of based myself out of out of his place when we when we ventured. So we went down south into. Right down. I wanted to go to Anzac Cove because my I grandfather was in the English Merchant Navy there. Um, so when we got back to England, just before we come home, I they ended up saying, "Why did not you come down to Kidlington And and I was a bit uneasy because of what happened in at the eighty eight Bathurst thing. Because we all let everyone know we had the shits about the you know the secret shit box that come over and uh, you know the diff fell out of it and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, I went down as courtesy and met a few of the guys that had come over and um, anyway, Kenny Page it was. Kenny Page was the team manager and he said, oh, you'll be running late to get back to Australia. And I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, LP's done a deal with Tom to run the long distance races. I said, what? I couldn't believe it. So so it was going to be Win Percy, uh, Wynn and Neil cropped it and and LP and Thomas Nazira. so I I didn't we just got back in our own time anyway I I, I let, when we 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 locked up our house and I had Mahali and everything over at mum and dad's place and um, so we got back got up set you know greeted out greeted the family and uh, or families anyway I went over to pick Mahali up and dad said look LP's been trying to get older of you, know, on the house phone. I said, "Oh, yeah, okay." So anyway, I rang and, um, yeah, cock, get get in your ute and come down. We, we, we've got to get ready. And I'd miss down. I'd miss down. So anyway, I said, "All right." So I took the toolbox down and basically started back there again and went up to Bathurst. And it was a, yeah, it was just a nightmare. It was the whole the whole Tom and uh, LP thing just didn't work, and which is a shame because I thought I, I I did go up because I thought well you never know it might it might turn around and LP does get the gig, but that was the last straw as far as Tom was concerned, and that's when they started started HRT in house. <coughs> yeah. So so
1: fast forward. To your your post, uh, or the, toward the end of your Nissan chapter, John Crennan gets in in contact with you. I think you were at Lakeside, weren't you? When the when the chats- yeah,
0: no, we were at Lakeside, we were Lakeside, and we just bumped into each other. And he said, "Oh, what are you up to?" And I said, "Oh, you know, at that stage we were running Commodores. We'd gone the Nissan thing and ended. Yes. You know, started in the what was the original supercar period yes. start." And um, he said, "You yeah, know." What are you are you happy where you are? And I said, Oh, look I love the Nissan thing. I said, but you know, what are you what are you getting at, John? He said, Oh, there might be something coming up. So I said, oh, okay. Anyway, long story short, Neil Lowe got in touch with me and said, Look, do you want to be workshop manager? So I said, Yeah. So we, we, we talked about it and I ended up going there. Um I, at that stage I was seriously thinking of doing something else out of racing. I thought maybe it's worth because, um, you know, we are thinking about having a family and all that sort of thing and what have you. Anyway, I I, I took up the offer and went down and straight up, that was when Wayne Gardner was the driver and Thomas, yep. and, and I think Thomas had some instigation in getting me there. And uh, anyway, I... I there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, taps on the shoulder, and I got what was the real story, which I won't go into. Mm-hmm. But it was wow, and um, it, the the deal was take the workshop manager thing, but just be patient because there might be another change. And I'm thinking, oh no. Anyway, uh, it, it happened. Uh, we were uh, there was a couple of race meetings, and then um, I'd brought over uh, Matthew Crawford. It was yep. from. From Nissan he come and, and a couple other, uh, uh, oh Andy Coucher, few few guys. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we were Phillip Island testing, and it was a two day test. So Neil was down for the first day, and then I've I I drove home because I obviously lived at Mount Martha then, and um, yeah I got got the call from John uh, John and, and Thomas and yeah go down and run the second day because uh, Neil Low won't be there so. Um, so what we had, we obviously had a, a a bit of a briefing, and the cars were, you know, the cars in the engineering. And this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, other people might, other people that were there might might uh, might have different thoughts, but they were very fragile, if I could put that nicely, and yep. and high maintenance. So so Thomas Thomas really was the instigator, I guess, with 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 John and so what initially it was Thomas to be team manager and then we we got uh, Ronnie Harrop to to come on board as a consultant engineer Mm -hmm. and 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 I was a facilitator so we basically we we had round table cleaned out the cars uh, in componentry and then started introducing stuff that we knew would last and be competitive and what have you so that went on for a while and then obviously once we got under control uh, with that um, Thomas stepped back as a team manager and I took over as team manager and that's that's how it all uh, it all started they were tough
1: early years I know but then the mix was right Jeff and uh, Aaron Noonan will correct me if I'm wrong here but is it it six championships four great race wins in your time there I mean just mega, fans will want to know which title and which Bathurst are the ones that resonate for you from that chapter, that part.
0: I, I guess there's three parts to it. A, and John, John used to have off-site meetings. So there'd be myself, John, Ronnie Harrop, a uh, couple of Chris Dyer then, as well,
1: who went to work for Ferrari? Yep,
0: yep, yeah. Went to work, and and obviously was part of Michael Shoemaker's magnificent run, and and myself, and John used to. John was a stickler for a a, a five year plan, and then when you dropped off a couple of years, then you went in, and and John was really good at. He didn't want to know about the nuts and bolts. All he wanted to know about was the business. It run right. It was successful, and and you know we got the right people in the right in the right places so so it it did i, I got to say i was young and i know john i know tom and and other people in the industry both here and england were probably a bit skeptical about me being team manager being I, mean, I was young um but john always had my back and he supported me and i'll never forget i'll never forget him for that um, but in early days we we we, <laughs> we cut ourselves a lot walking over broken glass and and a lot of that was me. But I guess probably the key moments were um, getting Peter back in into the factory team mm-hmm. uh, that was that was obviously key. And as soon as Peter come back in the we become the 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 black cloud moved away and we become. The factory racing team with all the fans and the whole bit that went with it, which was great, you know. People and people acknowledge that when we're away. The The, second Brock, one, the Brock effect. Yeah. It was. It was. And he, and mate, you couldn't fault him for that. He oh. was just, he was a consummate professional. Um, the second one was the having Craig with, come on as a young bloke. Yep. And again, it was the, the, the Jim Richards Mark Scaife thing, which I saw, and we 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 replicated with Peter and and Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, so the best Bathurst win was no doubtly '96. You know, for a lot of reasons, and you know I've I've said that before, but '96 was you know '95 we we had a we had a massive problem with engines, mm-hmm. um, and not not with the engine. Guys, they were, they were ripper guys, but we had a component failure mm-hmm. that just happened to be on both engines. So, and and we nearly we nearly lost the factory deal. We nearly lost the factory deal. Wow! It was as a matter of fact, there was drawings, and probably John would have them where it was going to go back to the a HS one car, and it was going to be the silk cut colours. wasn't silk cut, but it and it was serious. and And look. Eighty-five, I, I, I had a long, I had a chat to Credo and said, "Look, John, it was my fault. Maybe I should leave." And he said, "No, no, no, no. You," he said, "You're not going to do that. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna stand up and and correct it." So we did, um, and it was a big year because we had a move. We moved out of Notting Hill down to um, down to the Nissan yep. plant down at Centre Road. So. Massive Christmas, two two new car builds, which which were which were as you know the old Petty Bar cars, yep. which Benny Eccleston owns actually. Um, so and they they were like the old Group C cars, you know they were they were, they were they'll always be in our memory for ages. That paint scheme, believe it or not, was invented out on the wash with with cans of blue paint, and we'd wipe lines and. And we ended up getting something that looked uh, presentable, and that's how they were painted. That's fantastic. Um, Not not with the cans of paint, mind you, but we just got we just got the theme right. Um, And yeah, so that was a special year. That was that was really special in my book to have Craig and Greg, um, you know, Greg come on board also as a young guy. I mean, he was driving with um, BJR then, but. Um, you know, the two-litre thing wasn't wasn't recognised by the fan base, but when he hopped in with Craig and they – and Craig had a stellar year. And and so did Peter. You know, Peter won – Peter was he, – he'd won a couple of races as well, but we, we were just bang, you know. It was there and then. But it all come down – we just had a I, – I attribute all that to the guys we had on the team, absolutely. You know, they were just – everyone worked together. It was like – It was like probably what a a Richmond and Port Adelaide are now or or, or Team New Zealand. You know, it was just a magical time to have all the guys and all pulling the one way. And we had John as our boss who, who was just there for everyone. So it was great.
1: Most of you will know he's talking about Craig Lowndes and Greg Murphy there and a magic year in 1996. That's the end of part one of my podcast with Jeff Gregg, who is up for a chat. There is lots of gold still to come. Don't miss part two. Head back to the Rusty's Garage Library and hit the start button as we cover more on that unforgettable period with the Holden Racing Team. Our time helped heal a wound with one of the greats. They're back on speaking terms now, which is good his friendship with Barry Sheen, plus an innovation that HRT did their best to keep secret in the engineering race to remain number one.